All right, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for being who you are. God, I want to thank you for your love for us. And God, I want to thank you for your wisdom, for your understanding and your knowledge, and the fact that you know everything. God, you knew what I was going to say tonight before I was even born. God, you knew every person in this room before the foundations of the earth. And God, that's what gives me peace. The fact that you knew and you know everything that's going to happen. Father, I pray that you would give me the words, give me the strength to say the right words. Father, I pray you would help me focus on you. God, help me focus on the love for other people. And Father, I pray tonight that you would give hope to those who are in need of hope. God, I pray that tonight we would see what true hope is. God, I pray that tonight someone's eyes would be opened and they would have new sight. And God, that those who are lost and wondering, that God, they would be found. God, I pray that tonight the gospel would become real to somebody and that it wouldn't be just more words. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I started to think about um, what the next series of messages would be. And I thought, well, I, I just don't think we should do a series of messages because, <clears throat> because you get in kind of like a routine where you're just like, oh, a new series, a new series. Well, then, like the first message of the series, you're thinking, oh, gosh, like four more weeks of this. You know, it's like sometimes you got to break it up a little bit. So I thought maybe we shouldn't do a series. And I thought, well, what, what should I talk about? And then I was like, I thought, you know, even more deeply, and I was like, what if this was my last time to ever speak? What if this was the last time I spoke words to all of you guys before I died? Like tomorrow was my last day and it was set. What would I say? So I began to write things down. I was like, okay, so I would tell them this, or I would tell them that, and I, I made a list of things, probably about 10 things, and I was like, how do I narrow all this up? Like, how, how do I sum all of it up to where I can just talk about one thing that we can remember, that we can all remember, and that if I actually do die tomorrow, what legacy would I leave behind? What words would I leave behind with me that would be memorable to somebody else that actually counts, that actually matters? And it all came down to this one word, hope. Hope. And so I, I began to think about what, what is actual hope? What is that? I don't understand, like, but, but that's what I'm thinking of because, like, it, it's not just about this life. What, it, it's not just about, you know, what we do in this life or what we have in this life. What, what is it about then? And then God led me to this passage of Scripture where we're going to be reading from. It's in 1 Peter. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bible, and it's going to be in chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. It says this, it says, This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. 
and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So the first thing I want to point out is that Peter was writing to all these people in this provinces of all those names that I can't really pronounce. And this is actually the Roman Empire, this like little cities in the Roman Empire that he's writing to. And all these people that he's writing to, he says, I'm writing to you, those who are foreigners. And so he's, he's not saying this thing is these people have come from a different area of the world that have come now to the Roman Empire. He's writing to these people in the Roman Empire who are Christians, and he calls them foreigners metaphorically. He's saying that you're a foreigner because you're living, this is not your home. He's saying you're going to look different, you're going to act different, and you're a foreigner in this land because this land is full of anti-Christian, anti-Jesus, full of sin. Their values are totally different than yours, so you're going to look totally different. If you've ever been in class and you have like a foreign exchange student or someone who's moved maybe from India or from Mexico or wherever it may be and they come to your class, they can't even hardly speak your language and their, their culture is different, their values are different, or maybe you, know, you just don't quite understand what they're thinking all the time. That's what this Christian life is like in this area. So he's writing to them and he says that God knew you and chose you long ago. And I thought about just skipping this whole first, you know, greeting part, but it, it ties in so well. It leads right into the very next passage. But it, and I thought about just skipping it because I didn't want to talk about knowing and choosing long before everything else was created. You see, God chose us. And He knew us, basically elected us a long time ago. Now, that's kind of scares some people because then you think, well, don't I have free will? Yes, you do. You see, what happens when God chooses you, you also have to choose him back. You see, when it says that God elected you, that means he's called you to a certain life. You see, but you also have the responsibility to accept that calling. You also have the responsibility to say, God, I'll choose you back. And this is really, really difficult to understand because isn't God sovereign? Doesn't he know all things? Doesn't he control all things? But don't we also have free will? Both are true. We are chosen, but we are free. Scripture talks about both of them. You say, it was like, well, I, I, can't, I can't really wrap my mind around that, so I'm just going to leave it alone. See, number one, God's ways, according to Isaiah chapter, 50, chapter 55, verse 8, says that my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As far as the heaven is above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than yours, and my ways higher than yours. We can't understand his ways. That doesn't mean we don't try to get what he's talking about, but that doesn't mean you're going to understand it. You're not going to understand everything that God does. We don't understand the fact that God is three, but he's also one. We don't understand how the Holy Spirit comes into us and changes our life. We can tell somebody that it happened, but we don't really understand how. God, how could you love 
someone like me. We don't understand it all. His ways are higher than ours. But number two, we can also take comfort in this. You see, because think about marriage. See, you chose your husband or your wife. You chose them. But what would have happened if they didn't choose you back? You see, we could have chosen God and we could have said, God, I want your ways, but we can take great comfort in the fact that he chose us. There's security in our relationship with him because we know, God, you chose me. I can look to you for comfort. I can look to you for security in our relationship. It wasn't just me who chose you because I waver. I go back and forth. I change, but God, you never change. So we can take comfort in the fact that he chose us and he knew us long ago. We won't quite understand it all, but we can take comfort in that. And it says, after that it says that we were made pure by his Holy Spirit and that because we obeyed, because we obeyed, how do we know if we're chosen or if we have chosen God or if we are foreigners in this land of ours? See, obedience is the deciding factor. You see, if we're going to be foreigners, that means we are following Jesus and we are living like Jesus. We are taking the steps that Jesus took and we are chosen. That means we are God's children. Then we're going to obey like Jesus obeyed his father. How did Jesus obey his father? He obeyed him all the way to death. He obeyed him to the point where he said, God, it's it's not my way, but it's your way. How can you tell if someone is a foreigner or if they're chosen or if they chose God? How can you tell? It's because they have a pattern in their life of obedience to God the Father and Jesus Christ. They obey with their whole life. Will they mess up? Absolutely, but they obey. They obey in repentance. They obey in their sharing of the faith. They obey in the way they do everything. They obey. Which is why I believe he says what he says next. Because, you know, when you obey, when you're a foreigner, and when you're chosen by God to be his child, you're going to look different, and it's going to be hard. There are going to be things in your life that don't go so easy. And this is what he says very next thing. He says, May God give you more and more grace and peace. You see, we needed a ton of grace right when we believed. Because there was so much grace poured out to you just so your eyes would be open to the fact that Jesus died for you and that you were undeserving of that salvation. There was so much grace, there was so much peace that poured into you the moment you believed that you could not explain it. But see, it takes more than that. You see, I think that God in his sovereignty knew that as we believed, we're going to have to continue on in this life as a Christian, and things are going to get hard. There's going to be things coming up that we didn't expect, but he knew was going to happen. So what do we need? We need a continual supply of that grace and that peace. It doesn't just come to us the moment we believe and go away the moment we start to follow after the things that we believed in. No, it's a continual supply. It's more and more grace and peace as we follow after Christ. You see, this first little part, I believe, is trying to differentiate between whether you are a true believer 
or whether you are not. Because the next part that we're going to read is going to hinge on that fact, whether you are a believer or you are not a believer. So let's continue on reading. This is what it says. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again. That's what we are as Christians. If you are a believer, you have been born again. You once were lost, but now you are found. So you were once blind, but now you can see. You were once dead in your sin, but now you're alive in Christ. Because Jesus Christ raised from the dead. We have been born again. You see, we were were set free from our bondage of death, and now we are free to live. We have been born again because of the fact that Jesus was alive and that he died for our sin and he raised back up from the dead. You see, when we get baptized, we're supposed to, it's supposed to be symbolic to the fact that we were alive, we were living on this earth, but hey, then we died to our sin. We're under the water. That's the grave. We died to our sin. We said, no longer living for sin, no longer living for me, no longer living for my pleasures or my purpose or just wandering around this world trying to find my purpose. I'm going to die to that way. I'm going to die to my old way, and I'm going to be born again to a new life. We are born again to a new life. Now we are free to live. We're free to live, and because of that, Because of the fact that we're born again, this is what it says. It says, now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Because we are born again, now we can live with great expectation with a priceless inheritance that is undefiled and pure and that is out of the reach of change and decay. You see, that, we have something to look forward to in this life and that is what you call true hope because we have something to look forward to, to a place that no longer has sorrows, There is no more pain, whether inward or outward. There is no more confusion. There is no more question about your life, where it's going to go, what's going to happen. Am I sick? Am I not? When am I going to die? How long am I going to live? There is no more question. You see, and there is no more change. There is no decay. You don't continue to rot. You don't continue to go downhill like everything on this earth, eventually this building will fall away. No matter how much we maintenance it, no matter how much we try, see, our bodies are the same way. Everything we see is rotting away. You see, but in heaven, it's not like that. So we have something to look forward look forward to. We have a joy to look forward to because down here, it's full of sorrow. 
It's full of pain. It's full of everything bad, and everything up there is full of everything good, and it doesn't go away. See, we can look forward to that, and why is that true hope? You see, there is no other hope. That is the only hope. And why is that? Because in the words of the princess and future queen of England in the, in the movie Braveheart, she says, you see, death comes to us all. Because of the fact that death, no matter how strong you are, no matter how healthy you are, no matter how rich you are or how poor you are, no matter your circumstances in this life, you will die. There will come a day where you no longer breathe. There will come a day when nobody else can see that you're alive. It's just a body there. The life that was in you is now out of you, and nobody can explain it. No matter how much we see death, it still affects us in a way that we can't explain. See, all of us will die. And true hope lies in what happens after we die. And for us as Christians, as believers who have been born again into the life of Jesus Christ, see, we were dead, but now we're alive. What does that mean? That means that we're not only alive here, But when we die, we'll be alive there. Our life continues on, and it will never end. You see, but if you're in death, when you die here, you continue to go into death. You see, if you have not been born again, this is your best life. Money is your best hope. Health is the best hope you have, and even it goes away. You see, Jesus Christ is the only hope and he's the true hope because he never ends. And it's good news after this life. And it goes on to say, And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. You see, you even have hope in this life. Not to worry, not to be anxious about your life or not to be anxious about money or health. Because you know what? God in his power, in his strength, is going to lead you to that day of salvation. You see, when we talk about becoming a Christian, we say, I got saved, fill in the blank, on this day. You see, but true salvation doesn't happen on that day. It begins on that day, but true salvation is fully there when, we, when Jesus either comes back or we die. That is our salvation because we are saved from hell. And the only way you can truly know that you're a follower of Christ is if you continue on. If it's not just something that happened one day or a week or a month, but it has continued on since that day, and you're looking forward to the day where you can look at Jesus' face and say, thank you for saving me. That is true salvation, and that is true hope. Do you have that hope? Do you have that hope? Does death scare you? See, death is going to come to you, and you need that hope. Money, the fight for money, the fight for health, that's going to kill you. It's going to kill you way faster than it's going to save you. 
So if you have that hope, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Brothers and sisters, it's only for a little while. The trials, all the pain, the sorrow, the questions, the weariness of life, being tired, sickness, death of loved ones, it's only for a little while. It's only for a little while. Don't stop seeing with your new vision. So you were once blind, but now you can see. Don't stop seeing with your new vision. And don't stop living for your new purpose. Don't stop living your new life because it's only for a little while. It's only for a little while. Eternity is so much longer and it is so worth it. You see, there's something that these trials do. Just like when Kenny came up here, when we were singing the song, Though You Slay Me, he had a little excerpt in there And he says that the trials, they're not meaningless. They have a purpose. Of course, you can't see what they're doing at the present moment. But these trials are testing your faith, whether whether it's genuine or not. You see, these trials are going to come your way no matter what. If you're lost or you're saved or you're God's child or you're not, trials, hard times, things are going to come your way as a human. And these things are going to test your faith. In fact, if you're a Christian, there are going to be some things that you endure that no lost person will ever have to endure. But there's going to be joy that you have that no lost person will ever have, which gives you the strength to endure these trials. And it's a testing of your faith, whether it's true or not. Just like gold is refined by fire. You see, it's heated up so much when the gold is melted, all the impurities rise to the top. And it's like this black stuff, and they they scrape it off. And then they, they let it dry, and they let it harden, and they melt it again. And when they melt it again, the impurities rise to the top again, and they scrape it off. Until the gold is as pure as they can get it. And just like that, our faith is refined by fire, by these trials. So that when our faith is melted down, all the impurities can rise to the top and it can be scraped away and say, and and God, you are getting better and better every day. And why is that so important? Why is it that we have to be tested like that? Because the world needs hope. Because the rest of the world needs hope just like you have. I was talking to somebody at work the other day, and I was saying, he, he was like, I, I don't really want to follow after Christ because I know, I know who I am. I know what I do. I know my habits, and I'm so scared that if I truly follow after Christ, and this guy is an honest person, he's not going to tell you he's living one way and go do another. He's straight up honest with you. If he killed somebody, he's going to say it. That's just how honest he is. And so he knows that once he says, I follow after Christ, he's going to have to stick to his word. 
He's a rare breed, but he's not saved, and he knows that, and he's like, I don't want to do it because I don't want to be a hypocrite. And I just began to tell him, I was like, look, man, when you, be, when, when, when you follow after Christ, you don't need to be perfect. That's not the point. You don't go to Christ when, when you're good. You go to him because you're in need of hope. And, and guess what? You're going to mess up after you get saved. You're going to do things that you don't want to do. But guess what? People out there are doing things they don't want to do every single day because they are enslaved to their sin nature. And guess what? If you were perfect as a Christian, they would look to you and see no hope at all. They would look to you and think, I can't be like that. And I don't want to be you because I... I don't know how to be perfect. That doesn't, even, that doesn't even like register to me. I don't know what that is. So when you go to that person and say, look, man, you're in need of hope just like I am. It's like, but you're perfect. No, I'm not. I'm far from perfect. You see, I sinned yesterday. This is what I did. And guess what? My heavenly father forgave me. And he gave me a new life. He opened up my eyes to my wrongdoing. He gave me life. And he said, you don't have to be enslaved to your old self anymore. You don't have to be enslaved to sin anymore. You are free to live. And you can tell that person, look, this is what I did. This is what I, I do all day. This is, what, this is who I am. And guess what? Jesus loved me and died for me, and he gave me a new way. And I try my best to follow that every day. But this is why the hope matters for you. This is why it can be transferred to you. And, and they can look at that and say, I can get that too. That's for me. I don't have to be enslaved to sin anymore, and I don't have to feel the pressure of being perfect and living a perfect life? Absolutely. That's why the trials come, and that's the hope that everybody in this world needs. They don't need the hope of stop cussing, stop doing this, stop drinking, stop smoking weed, stop doing this, stop doing this, and then, you know, everything will work out good. No, that's not what they need because you know what? When they have that true hope, they have their eyes opened up, they have a new life, they have a new purpose, you know what's going to happen? Everything that they are doing is going to pretty much stop. They're going to have that desire. The desire is going to go away because you know why? They have a new purpose and they see that the stuff that they were doing, they were searching for Jesus. Jesus and things in this world, like sin and everything, they were searching for things in sin that is only found in Jesus. So now that they found it in Jesus, all the other stuff is not so good anymore. They're like, well, I don't need that anymore because Jesus is all I need. Are they going to struggle? Yes, absolutely. They're going to they're gonna turn back and forth, all that. But that's why God chose us too. Because we can take great comfort in the fact that our relationship is secure and we can go back to him and we can pray to him. We can learn from him. But that's the hope they need because they're looking for all the wrong things in all the wrong places. They're looking for it in sin when it can only be found in Christ. The last thing it says, So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So when your faith... Remain strong. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed. Makes it even better. Because you look at that and what do you think? You know 
that when it's all over and done, living for Christ, you will have no regrets. You look at that and you think, it's going to be worth it. Every trial, every moment of persecution, every moment of awkwardness between me and a lost person in need of hope, it was all worth it. And we have something to look forward to, brothers and sisters. So keep pressing on. Keep doing the things that Jesus is calling you to do. Keep sharing the gospel. Keep giving hope to those who are in need of hope. Keep asking the hard questions and getting the answers. Keep going. Keep doing these things. Press into Jesus. Press on, brothers and sisters. Don't let it get you down because it's going to be worth it. And your hope is pure. Your hope is undefiled. This place that we're going to is going to be perfect and no more struggles. And we want to bring as many people with us there as we possibly can. So keep going. That is our true hope, Jesus Christ. So if you are in need of this true hope tonight, I pray that you would not let it go. I pray that right now as you're contemplating this hope and and, and you're wondering about it, I pray that you would just give in to it. I pray that you would see Jesus Christ as your Savior and you would go to Him and you would repent of your sin and you would say, God, I don't want to live for me anymore. God, I want to be born again. I want to be raised to life just like Jesus Christ was and I want to live for you because I want this true hope after I die. And believer, I pray that tonight if you're struggling to go on in the faith, I've had questions like this myself about giving up it's not worth it it's hard when another Christian is not pouring into your life you begin to think you're alone and you begin to think did I, did I make the right choice am I the only one doing this I urge you to keep going And I pray that tonight you'd be encouraged and I pray that tonight would spur you on for the cause of the gospel because there's people out there in need of hope just like you. And I promise you, when you spread that hope yourself, you will be encouraged. You will find strength in giving hope to others in need of hope because they will strengthen you back. They will give you hope as well because you see, I was was there. I was lost in my sin. And I remember how I felt now. I remember the moment that Jesus Christ saved my soul. I remember that. And you can bear each other's burdens. There's great joy for you. There's great joy in store for you. It's ready for you. It's ready for you. The moment you die, you're going to be there. <laughs> All the better, just, you know, go somewhere else. And if someone's persecuting you to die, just be like Paul and say, hey, for me, I don't care if I die. Sorry, bro, we'll let you live. All right, then, I'm just going to live for Jesus. So much better. Let me pray, and if God is speaking to you, please come down here and talk to him. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the hope that you offer us and the fact that you came from heaven. God, you created everything. Everything. 
God, you spoke the earth into motion. God, you spoke the stars into being and all the planets and all the solar systems. God, you spoke all that into being. God, you, you, everything we see on this earth, God, is evidence that you were actually there. God, the trees, God, everything that we see, mountains and animals, God, they're all evidence that you were there, that you created this thing. And God, you're in heaven. You created us. And God, we decided to rebel against you. But God, instead of leaving us in our sinful condition, instead of leaving us the way we were, God, you decided to give us hope in Jesus Christ. God, you came down in the flesh and you gave yourself. God, you gave your blood. You gave your own life to save us from ours. God, our lives is going against you. God, you came to save our life by giving your life. And God, you rose again so that we can look at your life and we can say, it's real. It's true. And God, that is my hope. The fact that you are alive now, that's my hope that I will be alive with you forever because you made that promise to me. God, I pray that somebody would understand that promise tonight. God, that somebody would just grab hold of that hope and never let go. It would never let go of you, Lord. And I pray that, they, that you would use them so that they could spread hope to the rest of the world. God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts tonight. God, those, those people who are struggling, God, unbelievers and believers alike, God, that we would just grab hold of this hope tonight and that we would not let go. Lord, it's in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.